Hello and welcome into the Walling and Owens show. Luke Owens, Matt Walling here on a Wednesday. Back at it. It's been a, been a, it's been a while, Matt. I don't even remember when our last show was. We had a couple of cancellations, but we're still getting after it here. Well, Luke, you said it's been a, a, you know, a long time, and it's been a long time for you, I guess. It's, you said it's a Wednesday. It's, it's actually Monday. Wow. Brutal. That's I a mean, brutal start right there. That's not even close. It's not like you worked yesterday, right? It feels like a Wednesday. That's right. No it doesn't feel like a Monday. No, it doesn't. Well, it kind of does, but it doesn't at the same time. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to be back because, honestly, man, I was looking looking at the rundown, looking at the content we have today. I was, pre- I was pretty excited to, to have the show today because there's a lot uh, to get into. We'll have, of course, the Yankees talk after uh, what was a really interesting weekend. And, Matt, you had a, a tweet about uh, the, not overshadowing yesterday or, I guess, not letting it overshadow the two wins the Yankees got previous to yesterday. So we'll discuss that. Also, the Mets uh, kind of – Split a series with the Pirates, not a lot of talk about that, but uh, either way, they're kind of not backfiling into the All-Star break because they're still in a good spot. Uh, the Home Run Derby going on right now, Shohei Otani uh, trying to put on a show this whole week. I'm excited to talk about that. And I'm, we'll also do a little talking soccer with Matt's Englishmen losing the European Championship to Italy, but we have to start with the Yankees. We'd be remiss if we didn't start with what happened yesterday between the Yankees and the Astros. The Yankees led 7-2 going into the ninth inning. They end up losing the game. Domingo Herman comes in in relief, allows two runs. Chad Green comes in, who's really done a nice job in the closer role until yesterday. He gave up four earned runs. And, of course, the big blow, three-run home run, walk-off shot from Jose Altuve. And one of those things where it's like, if this was any other circumstance, it's how could you not be romantic about baseball? Because if you look at the scenario, it's the Yankees and the Astros. It's Altuve again hitting a walk-off. But given kind of what's transpired with the Astros over a few years, uh, it's, it's a really bitter, bitter taste in the mouth, I think, of the Yankees as they leave Houston yesterday. And, and Luke, it, the Yankees have got to stop with this flexing of, you know, and trying to, to troll other people, right? Because every time Aaron Judge especially seems to do it, it comes back to bite him right in the ass, right? I mean, you look at what's been going on. You look at the fact that he, you know, was tugging at his jersey on Saturday. He said it was chilly in the building. The Yankees players are wearing these jackets on Sunday. And then all of a sudden, Jose Altuve just spits in your face and walks it off. And that's an awful loss, right? Sunday is a terrible loss, Luke. It was one of the – it was the second worst loss in MLB, right? It was the only the second time this season that a team has, has lost a game up four runs in the ninth inning. And the other team to do that was also the Yankees about two weeks ago against the Angels. And despite the loss – you know, you see some of that fun, Luke. That's something you talked about during the pre-show meeting that you wanted to see out of this team. And more importantly, they took two out of three against a very good Astros team. And say what you want about this Yankees team. This was the worst-case scenario that happened for them this, this first half. I mean, it was abysmal. It was horrifying. All these negative things. But in that same point, I sit here, Luke. There's another 80 games left of this season. And I'm not saying they're going to do anything with it. They're not going to, you know, win the, the pennant or the division. But you look at where they are right now in terms of the wild card standings, and they are four and a half games back. That's not insurmountable. It really isn't. And you look at the Oakland Athletics, they've played very well. They're 12 games up above 500. But that's the spot you're going for, right? That second, second wild card spot. You'd have a date with the Tampa Rays in the wild card if you get there. But I don't know, Luke. I, I, don't, I can't sit here and go on Twitter and cry and complain and moan about the Yankees blowing this game when they just took two or three from a very good baseball team. 
They did. And why why can't that be highlighted? Why can't the Garrett Cole shut you know nine inning complete game be the highlight or the talk of the weekend? Right? Because to me it felt like that ninth inning was a microcosm of everything that's gone wrong for the Yankees this year. I mean, it's been getting out to leads, blowing games in the ninth inning, not being able to finish sweeps, which has been a major problem. They couldn't sweep Seattle. They haven't been able to really sweep anyone. That third game's always been an issue. And then the frustrating part is they played an almost perfect three games. I mean, they played really well on Friday night. Nestor Cortez, Cortez pitches extremely well. They get timely hitting with runners in scoring position. Then on Saturday, Garrett Cole throws a nine-inning game that we'll talk about even more later, which was, I mean, to me, the, the manliest pitching performance of the year. I mean, we've seen no hitters and things like that, but to see Garrett Cole just say, I'm not coming out of this game, I'm finishing this game, we need to win this game, to me was one of the most impressive performances I've seen in quite some time. And then a great performance from Jameson Tyone returning to Houston, talking about how much it meant to him to be back in his hometown, and they blow it in the ninth inning. So it really felt like it could have been, you know, the sweep going into the all-star break, could have been feeling really good about yourselves. Again, it's four and a half games back, but that's of the wild card. You know, this was a team that wasn't expected to be a wild card team. They were expected to be right in that AL East mix, and they're really not right now. So I think that's what the frustration is. It's just this team should have finished that sweep. It should have been a three-game winning streak going into the All-Star game, and it should have been, you know, a better feeling. Because you, you have to think that that's really deflating to go into the break not being able to sweep your bitter rivals because it should have been a sweep, and I think the Yankees know that. It should have, sure, but you, but you finish this whirlwind of a, of, a, of a half a season, Luke, and you're within striking distance. I mean, you've got eight games of the first ten against the Red Sox. You win six of those, seven of those, you're right back in it. I mean, this team's not out of the mix. They still have the same star players that they have. They're looking to get, you know, Severino back. You're looking to get Kluber back. Sure, you want them as soon as possible. You know, you can't wait until September like when you're gearing up for the playoffs because right now you've got to push as hard as you can just to make the playoffs, right? But in, in that same vein, you know, this, this team has some pieces going for them. You know, they, they finally seem to be like they're hitting. You know, you look at the, the, the box score and the stats, they're hitting a little bit better, at least the last couple series, with runners on base. You know, you're getting those home runs with a, a guy or two on base. You know, all these guys are starting to come out of their, their downtails or their downspins, and now the pitching has gotten better. Jamison Tyler's been a much better pitcher in the last couple of starts, maybe this last month than he was all season long, and that was a guy that was going to be a slow burn to take time to really gear up because he hasn't pitched in, what, two years? So all these pieces, they're coming together, and, you know, I, I saw people on Twitter saying, Boone needs to be fired because of this. It's ridiculous. It's this, it's that. Look, he doesn't trust Chapman anymore. Chapman's not the closer. And, you know, what I pitched him up four, up five in that last game yesterday, I probably would have. I would have probably pitched him over leaving Herman in there. I would have tried to give him a chance and then go to Chad Green if you had to. But also, Chad Green's not blowing that game, you know, the next time around. He's pitched so much of the last couple innings or over the past couple games. He really needs this break. And I think when the team gets this fresh reset, you know, hopefully you see Chapman as a guy that maybe isn't closing games, but maybe he can – he can be a setup guy or, or something like that. Maybe Chad Green transitions that closer role, and you kind of just roll from there. I think one of the positives to take away, though, is something that you mentioned, and, and maybe I'll sound like a hypocrite for this, but I did like the whole, you know, Judge doing the little, the little uh, gesture, and I did like the home run jacket because I think this team has been through, you know, a lot this year, and it feels like everything they've gone through has been met with, you know, Kind of internally, I don't know how things are going, but externally in the way that they've dealt with the media has been like, oh, you know, we're fine. Like, we're going to get over this, blah, 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 blah. 
we haven't really seen that excitement that we used to see, you know, back when it was 2017, you know, with guys like Didi Gregorius and additions like Todd Frazier. It feels like this team's just had to grip the bat so tight lately because there's so much pressure and they're, they're clearly not meeting expectations. So for them to have one weekend where they look like they could really be one of the best teams in baseball and really go toe-to-toe with a team that's probably the best team in the American League this year, you know, top to bottom between them and Boston. And I think Houston might have a little bit of the advantage in the, in the starting pitching staff. So, I mean, that definitely is a positive. It, it just, to me, it is so frustrating to be like, man, all that work for those three days just to have it end like that is so tough. But that doesn't take away, like you said, from the rest of the weekend. Because to take two or three is huge. To go into the All-Star break, winning a series against Houston. I mean, they could have gotten swept and it would have been a much different conversation we'd be having right now. But, I, you know, maybe I'm a hypocrite, Matt, because earlier in the year I said I hate when the Mets do all these gimmicks because they're, they should just be a good team. But for the Yankees, it's almost like, well, they're expected to be a good team and they weren't. So, you know what? Maybe they should have some fun and celebrate when they're doing well. I think it's a different kind of gimmick, though, Luke. And, you know, wearing a jacket, like, that that's funny. Like, you see wearing a jacket, right, like the – or the home run belt or the turnover chain or, or this and that. Like, you see those things. To me, with the Mets, you know, na- creating a fake hitting coach, that's not that's, – that's lame, right? Like, that's not a fun thing to, to rally behind if you're a team. What are you going to say? Oh, this guy's – you know, Donnie baseballs, whoever, like, you'll be fun, Luke, is if they had a, a mullet wig and, and glasses and every home run you had, you put that on or something like that'd be kind of cool. There you go. Right. Like if you want to, you should work for them. I should, I should be their, their, uh, their clubhouse guy. Yeah. I actually, Matt, I want to get your take on this because after the Altuve, uh, home run, of course, the shirt was ripped off after the walk-off. A lot of people on Twitter were going crazy. And to me, if I look at it from like a like an outside perspective, because I do have a lot of anger still with how this was handled, because to me it feels like he's parading around the bases knowing that he can do whatever he wants because the MLB didn't punish them. They're not going to punish them. Nothing's going to happen to the players. And he knew that he could do that in that moment with no kind of backlash except for from people that already hate him. So from an outside perspective, like if I was an Astros fan, I would definitely be backing out to him being like, all right, that, that's pretty cool. But do you do you fall in line with people that are kind of like, why is he doing this like in the moment? Because it, it is kind of in a way a bad look just because everyone saw the tat. It's about this big. It's very tiny. You can barely see it. So that excuse doesn't really hold up. So I don't know. It, feels like, it felt like a weird troll job from Altuve. I mean, I loved it. And, and you say it's a small tattoo. You know, you might be embarrassed by the, the size of it in, in that regard. You know, his wife <laughs> doesn't want him flaunting this, oh, yeah. this, this two-inch tattoo, this, this two-incher there. I mean, I... I don't know. In, in all seriousness, yeah. I, I all like it. Too. I like the move. She could have been very embarrassed by it, you know, two years ago. And also, like, I just think it's funny. Like, I think it's a funny move to do if you're if you're Jose Altuve. You know, you have this rivalry. Why not try to, to stunt on him a little bit? And and Luke, our good friend Ben Greco chimes in and says that I'm a big locker room clubhouse guy. And, and I am. That's basically the only thing I'm good at, right? Luke, you've seen me play Call of Duty. You've seen me. Aside from yeah. me being in net for Broomball. Again, zero goals against. People forget That's two true. games, the lowest possible goals against average. People can't forget if you keep reminding them. No, they won't. Well, And they shouldn't forget. It was an all-star performance in both games, and you know we didn't, we didn't win the second game, but that's not my fault. I was pulled in overtime, and that things happened. Yeah. I didn't play. That was a rough sequence. But one thing I will say about Altuve is, for me, I don't know if people can tell from watching the show, but I am a Yankees fan, so – but it – so I can kind of see in the mind of a Yankees fan. Sometimes I can't because sometimes they're too crazy for me. But um, I understand the outrage. But also, if you're an Astros fan, like, 
that's sick. Like, if you think about it, like, Altuve hits the go-ahead home run at Yankee Stadium earlier. Now he hits the walk-off home run. Like, from, like, just that standpoint, it's insane. But I understand why Yankees fans are a little bit mad. But I, one thing I do want to touch on before we move on from the Yankees is Garrett Cole shoved it on Saturday night. Like, that was the Garrett Cole the Yankees have been expecting that they haven't gotten since the spider attack situation. He goes nine innings. He has 12 strikeouts, no earned runs, 129 pitches he goes, which is against all laws that we've ever seen with the Yankees in terms of pitch counts and keeping guys rested. He's not going to pitch the all-star game. We already know that, which is, is completely fine, obviously. Um, but even before, he probably wasn't going to. He says, I'm staying in this game for the complete game. Aaron Boone lets him do it. And, you know, obviously, if he came away with an arm injury, it would be a major issue. But to just see a pitcher just grab a game by the reins like that and say, I'm finishing this game, that's what the Yankees signed up for when they gave him that contract. Yeah, and, and it's important. And I don't know if you noticed, Luke, his spin rate was higher then than it has been basically all season long, you know, before and after the, the sticky stuff ban. I, I don't know what that's about, Luke. I, I'd imagine he didn't use it. Obviously, he was, he was tested for it a couple times, but – to me, this is the game that changes the trajectory of your season, right, Luke? If you look back when this season's over and the Yankees make the playoffs and, and or if they win the World Series somehow, this is going to be the turning point series, right? It's right before the All-Star break. It's your guy who's struggled the last month of the season, comes out and puts up a really gutsy performance. And to me, the way that he performed is something you can never expect, you know, seri- you know, every single start. But at that same time, at that same point, you know, you expect him to give you seven, eight innings of, of you know, a couple hit ball. He's not a guy that's going to go six innings, give up four runs, and you're going to lose the game because of it. So to have him play that kind of game is incredible. It's so important to the team. And and I think that's going to be a big building block and a big building step moving forward where when you probably get him in that first series against the Red Sox, you hope to get him in that second series, depending on how the rotation lines up. And those are two games that you have to win, right? If you can win those two games with Garrett Cole on the mound, that that's scary. That that's a ta- that's a good break for the Yankees because now you only need a couple more wins and you've already taken the series. Yeah, especially when after the All Star break, there's I believe it's thirteen of the first sixteen games are against the Red Sox and the Rays. So what do you need to go in those, those thirteen games, Luke? You've obviously got eight against the Red Sox, and then that'd be five against the uh, Tampa. I think you're basically at the point where you have to win. I mean, obviously you'd love to see them go, you know, a crazy number, but I mean, maybe eight and five, you feel good, but you've got to do better. I mean, that's the thing when you look at the second half, I mean, they're a team that's supposed to be way over 500. They're only four games over. So, or three games over, excuse me. So they've got to go, you know, maybe like 20, 30 games over 500 in the second half. It's definitely possible with this team, but, I could see them just getting absolutely manhandled by the Red Sox the first weekend. And then it's, well, now what, you know, there's not really anywhere to go from here. We can talk all year about, well, this team can figure it out at some point. Well, it's going to be mid July at that point. If they haven't figured it out by then, I don't know if they ever figure it out. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, you've probably got to take 10 of the 13, right? Go 10. Oh yeah. I mean, that's that's the initial answer. Yeah. That's the initial answer. Those are two really good teams. Not that the Yankees aren't, but to take 10 of 13 would be absolutely astronomical. And, uh, the other question for the Yankees is what do they do with the deadline? I mean, we'll talk about it with the Mets as well, but you have to think that they'll buy, but I don't know how much they're going to buy because they don't want to go over, which is understandable. If they're not going to make the playoffs, why, you know, blow through it. Joey Gallo, a name that's been really popular. He's a lefty bat. He's an outfielder uh, on the pregame show for the home run derby. Jeff Passon said it's very likely that Gallo will be moved by the Rangers. His swing would play really nice at Yankee Stadium. He's a very, very good defender as well. 
um, that you could throw in the outfield. So that could be a good get for the Yankees. But also I could see them saying, well, we get Severino, we get Kluber back. You know, what else do we really need? I mean, the one addition they've made is Tim LaCastro, who's actually been a really nice addition, good speed, hit a home run the other night, but he's not really going to, you know, break any, any records or anything like that. So I, I do wonder what they do at, at, the, at the deadline in a few weeks. Well, well, Luke, I wonder if they trade Chapman and try to use that as a way just to clear some salary, right? Because you look at the Yankees, and I'll pull up what their, you know, what their current roster, I guess, total is for salary. And it can't be – it's got to be close to what the – is it 270, the luxury tax threshold? I believe so. And I think Chapman actually – I know next year he's set to make like 19 against the Cavs. Is he so still in the team next year, too? I didn't hit. realize that. I thought he was a free agent. Yeah, next year is his last – next year is his last year. and. He's set to make the most of any year in terms of hit, his hit against the salary cap. Right now, the Yankees... I don't even know how to read this. Give me a second. Right now, the Yankees appear to be at a payroll of 207, and the threshold is 210. So they've got okay, about... Yeah, oh, wait, this is weird. Now it says their total tax allocations are at 208. So I assume that's because of minor league salary, stuff like that. So they've got about $2 million to work oh, with yeah, I guess in, in tax space, which is 40-man roster, which is not a lot. I mean, when you're looking at the the players you need to add, and sure, it's prorated when the season comes along, so you can add a guy that's making more than $2 million, right? You can add a guy that's making, you know, I guess four, if it's roughly around the halfway point, but you're going to need to shed salary, and there's not too many guys that you can give up that are on this team, right? I mean, you are getting Britain back, so it seems like, your your bullpen's in a fine space. So it turns to, you know, guys like uh, Joey Gallo, who right now has four home runs in the home run derby at the, at the pause. It turns to guys internally, if you can make them do something. And, and then you wonder, are you going to have to move on from certain guys that you really like? Are you going to have to move on from the younger, you know, maybe some younger pieces to help clear that salary? Yeah, it's really going to be, a matter of, you know, where the Yankees see themselves for the next few years, you know? I don't think they're a team that wants to rebuild, but if they do want to rebuild, then they have to think about it because if you want to rebuild, you're not trading away prospects for players. You're trading away players for prospects. So I don't we'll think see what the Yankees do though, in that regard. I know we've got to move on, but no. I don't see them rebuilding. They never could. I don't see it. I mean, no. you look at this team and we say all the things we say about them. They're four games over 500 or three games over, Luke. I mean – if they're dedicated to going, if they can go over the, ta- the tax threshold next year, which I believe they will, and I know they haven't said anything on it, but from what I've kind of, what I thought I gathered at least heading into this year is they were using this year to reset it to then go back over so the penalties were less harsh, you know, next year. You're not that far off. I mean, you've got some really nice pieces. You know, LeMahieu's still a good piece. Judge is there. Stanton as a DH has been great. You expect Sanchez to be hitting the way he's been hitting, you know, this year. If you're willing to go out there and, and make some moves and, I guess you need another starting pitcher or two for next season. You probably want to get at least one or two more outfielders, right? Probably, I would imagine, a shortstop because I don't know if, if uh, Torres is your long-term answer. You know, I, and this could be a very good team next year with just a couple ads. Yeah, I think there are a couple fresh faces away. You know, I've always thought this roster was good enough, but I think this year has definitely highlighted that maybe it's, it's not. Maybe they are a couple pieces away. Um, but we'll see if, if fans really give them till the offseason to figure it out. But as long as Cashman's GM, I think they'll they'll want to compete. They're not going to want to rebuild. But as you mentioned, Matt, home run derby going on right now. Always a fun night, especially in Colorado. The ball's going to fly. They're not putting the balls in the hum- humidifier. Uh, it's called uh, – I was going to say humididor, but I, I don't think that's what it's called. What humidor, is that what it's called? There we go. So in, in high-altitude places, they put the balls in like a fridge. 
so that they don't carry as much. Uh, Colorado has one, Arizona. Actually, Minnesota has one. Um, basically, wherever the balls fly out, they try to keep them at a good temperature so that don't, they don't go too far. Um, but they're, the, all bets are off tonight. They're using the, the normal balls, so the ball's going to fly out. But really the main topic of conversation has been Shohei Otani. I mean, for this entire week. I mean, look what he's doing. Well, I mean, what a stud. I mean, what a star. He is in the home run derby. He is leading off for the American League. He is starting on the mound for the American League tomorrow. I mean, it, it's a matter of, you know, what can't this guy do? And he has really become, to me, the most exciting player in baseball. You know, a lot of people say, you know, who's the face of baseball? You know, was it Aaron Judge a few years ago? Is it Tatis? You know, is it Soda? Who is it? I don't really care about that, but I will say that I think Otani right now is the most exciting. I mean, we've never seen this before. I mean, people say Babe Ruth. We, we've never seen Babe Ruth. No one's ever seen Babe Ruth. Only a few people that are still alive have. And I have a feeling he wasn't throwing 100 miles per hour. And he wasn't hitting the ball 475 feet off dudes that could also throw 100 miles per hour. So what he's doing is insane. I think it's so good for baseball because I think it really has been roping people in. Like, I legitimately think Otani is making some people that don't usually watch baseball want to watch these things. And I could be wrong there, but I really do think that he is, he's attractive to a casual viewer. Luke, I, I've got a bone to pick with the, uh, the Babe Ruth crowd. All these oh, years, here we go. All these years, Luke, we've been, we've been told that Babe Ruth is this god. He was this and that and all these great <laughs> things. The dude pitched for like two years. And he didn't yeah. hit during those years. Didn't pitch so for very long. It's a little fraudulent. I don't know. You know, obviously, the, the real baseball lovers like you and, and some other people we know already knew that. But for me, I thought he pitched for most of his career. And he only pitched for two no, years. No, he only and, pitched for Boston. And didn't hit during it. Yeah. So I think it's fraudulent. I don't know. Should I have yeah. known that? Probably. But also, it's it, it's cornpone, if you will, as a wise Don LaGreca once said, uh, to say that. Never heard that before. Never? No. Okay. What well, does that mean? It means like it's nonsense. It's baloney. It's whatever you want, whatever you want to call it. I think it's ridiculous because we've we've praised this man for so long, for generations. He's been, you know, a face of baseball, and it's all a ruse. It's all a lie. And I'm a little disappointed. Wow, that. what a rant on Babe Ruth. No, I understand. I understand where you're coming from, but I think with Otani, uh, electric finish there between Thor and Gala with with Thor getting the win. Um, but I think with with Babe Ruth, I, I know what you're saying. I think he only made, like, two relief appearances ever for the Yankees. Like, they, they just wanted him to hit. Um, but, yeah, like what I said, though, he wasn't Shohei Otani. Like, he, he did not have this – I mean, he, we know what the baseball players looked like back then. Like, he was a fat guy. He didn't really care about his weight, which is fine. He was still a good player. But Otani really is this kind of physical demigod, as I've been calling him. I mean, he really kind of rises to that level. And he's always had the talent, but this year I think it's really been on display. I mean, leading the major league in home runs, having ERA in the twos before that one terrible inning against the Yankees. Um, but then it, it, it gets a little dicey today on Smith uh, on first take. He's talking about Otani, and he says, quote, I don't think it helps that the number one face is a dude that needs an interpreter so you can understand what the hell he's saying in this country. I will say, I was, I want to say I was surprised. I wasn't shocked when I heard this because – Stephen A has been known to say some outlandish things, and that's kind of his brand, and I get it. Um, but it, it is tough because I think this also brings up the conversation that we get with hockey where it's like, who allows this guy to talk about baseball? He should only talk about the sports that he actually knows, whereas ESPN's trying to talk about baseball, and it, it really went wrong. It came out very wrong. I think the comments were extremely inappropriate. When you look at the, the landscape of baseball and what makes it great, and I understand it's called America's pastime, but what makes American baseball great is that you have so many players from different countries. I mean, Tatis, uh, Acuna, 
Juan Soto. The list goes on and on of guys that are from other countries. And Shohei Otani is just another kind of guy to add to that list. So I just think it's really tough when you have a guy as influential as Stephen A. Smith say something like this. But I want to take away the positive from this. I think the positive from this is that a lot of people rallied around Shohei Otani. A lot of people said, no, this is awesome. Like, it wasn't a lot of people defending Stephen A. Smith. And I think people understood that what he was saying was wrong. And I want to take that away. I know there's negatives to, to be said here, but I do want to say that some of the positives are that I think that people are, are opening their eyes because we've heard this, the comments about players for years, like Gary Sanchez, why, why can't he speak English? But I think Ichiro said it better than I ever could. He says, we want to be able to communicate with the fans. Some of us can speak some English. Otani can speak some English as well. But we don't want things to be misinterpreted. We don't want there to be that language gap. So we want to make sure that everything we're saying gets communicated clearly. And I think that's really important that there at least were some or a lot of people coming to, to defend Shohei Otani. I think what's so unfortunate with, the, with this story, Luke, and, and what's just kind of sad is, like, Stephen A. Smith knows what it's like to be, you know, yeah. a, a minority in this country, obviously being African-American. And for him to, to, to speak in a way that's so insensitive and kind of throws out, you know, things like microaggressions and, and things of that nature it is unfortunate, right? He's a guy that, has, that knows, you know, what it's like to not be the majority in this country. And for him to say something like this and the way he said it was really upsetting. Now, I, I understand because how can you, you know, you, you want to see personality of players, right? And it's harder to see that when they're not speaking the language that you speak, right, Luke? Does that make sense? Like, you don't really understand. Yeah. You don't get to learn as much about them. But also, let's not act like it's easy to learn a new language. It, I took seven years of, of Spanish, Luke, throughout my, <laughs> my career in middle school and high school. And I still couldn't go to Spain and talk Spanish. It takes a special kind of person to learn multiple languages. And for Stephen A to be, oh, he should speak English. Like, it's so much harder than it looks to learn a second language, especially with the older you get. And I just... I don't, I don't like it. I appreciate the apology that Stephen A. Smith had or had said, but also the second apology, the second one. That's right. I didn't actually listen to the first one. I was out at the time, but I, I think he'll, I think he'll kind of right the wrong or, or whatever you want to call it. Because at the end of the day, I do think that Shohei Otani is a star. And the, the one game of baseball that I really sat down to watch this season, Luke, since I've been up at up in Oswego and we don't have Yes Network uh, in my in my house or my apartment. The, the one game I really sat down to watch was Shohei Otani's start against the Yankees. And and that says something, right? To to want to see this guy hit and want to see yeah. him pitch, that, you know, me, someone that doesn't watch a whole lot of baseball in my everyday life, would sit down to attentively watch the game is, is significant. Yeah, not to mention he went to Yankee Stadium, hit two home runs. The pitching didn't really work out, but, you know, he still kind of put on that show. And, I mean, he plays for the Angels, which obviously a big market, but they're not the big team in that market. Uh, and they've gotten great ratings this year. He's been really a huge part of that, uh, you know, starting games on Sunday Night Baseball, hitting home runs, uh, things like that. And he's been absolutely crushing it this year. So I think he's great for the game. Uh, like you said, I mean, it, it was weird coming from Stephen A because he's usually a guy that's very, you know, great about, you know, protecting minorities in America and, and making sure that uh, rights are wrong. So I think that was an issue. But, you know, we'll see. I don't usually put a ton of stock into into a lot of things that are said on, on shows like that just because I think that they are trying to drive traffic. I don't think that's what Stephen A was doing there because I think that was just an insensitive thing to say. Um, and the way he worded it was, was really poor too. I didn't like like the last part where he's like, in this country, like, you know, we got to be able to understand you. Where it's like, well, 
you know, the beauty about the United States is we don't even have a national language. You know, we don't have uh, an official language because it's supposed to be that melting pot. And obviously the majority of people do speak, speak English. But like you said, Matt, I took French in high school. I speak at like a kindergarten level. Like it is very hard to be able to use your brain to figure it out. Like if you threw me in Japan for, you know, what has he been here for? Three, four years? I would, I would have no chance. So from that aspect, like give him some time. He's a smart guy. And you know what? If he doesn't learn English, he doesn't. But I, I saw him make an entire rookie of the year speech in English. So he can speak it. It's just a matter of being comfortable with it and being comfortable enough to want to share his thoughts in another way. And Luke, Stephen had an awful day today at, at work with First Take. I don't know if you saw the uh, the yeah, comments had about Team awful. Nigeria uh, beating USA. And, and I understand what he's trying to say. You know, you don't know who these guys are, but to, to, to again, disrespect their names, not even pronouncing them right is, is really disappointing. And, and Luke, I don't know if you, you're looking over at the TV for the home run derby, but Pete Alonso <laughs> up to bat two home runs already. What, what is it? 20 seconds in 25 seconds in three home runs, Matt, the TV must be behind over in Lakeside. Well, I was, yeah, it is actually. Cause it's, it's dish. So I'll leave that. I'm oh, surprised yeah, right. even get the, this because it's a battle. Mets game, you know, it's a Mets player. We don't have SNY. We don't have local yeah, know, regional yeah. sports networks. That's nonsense. Yeah, that's true. We got the we got it going here at the undisclosed location. Pete Alonso is crushing it right now. Defending champion, no home run derby, no home run derby last that's year. That's right. So Pete defending his title. Uh, Matt, unfortunately, we didn't get to a few things before Odd Man, but if you want to throw anything at Odd Man, feel free. Uh, if not, we'll try to get through everything. We do have a show Wednesday as well. Until you um, cancel. But I hand it over to you for, for Odd Man Russian. Until you cancel it. I'm excited. Again. I will not cancel. Okay, sure. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. See, the I'll only person not. that has uh, any right to cancel the show would be with me, Luke, because I've got an, an, you know, a late night job tonight. And, the name's right. And uh, not Wednesday, oh. though. Don't have a, a job, a shift on Wednesday, which is nice. Get to rest up before the big wow. drive back home to Long Island for the, uh, the wedding of my brother. Very excited. Wow. Old Maddie 2 job. That's right. Him. That's what they call him. Um, odd man rush time, right? Yeah, let's All do right. it. I, I introduced it and then you stopped. Well, let's start with the, the great Addison Ray versus all of broadcasting. Uh, Twitter, I guess, right? So Friday night, Addison Ray tweeted yeah. that she had studied broadcast journalism for three whole months to prepare for this moment. And that moment was, I guess, being a red carpet reporter for UFC all these broadcasters had some some nonsense backlash with, oh, I've done I did this for four years, I've got a master's degree, and, and now we've got Aston Rayo, and all she does is sh- shake her butt on TikTok at this job. And and Luke, I know we both agree in the in the same thing we talked about basically all weekend is for people to be so upset that Addison Ray got this this role is so lame. It is so stupid because she only got the job because she's famous. They didn't want a broadcaster in this role. They wanted someone that was going to bring numbers that had millions of followers to the table. They wanted to get people to buy the pay-per-view, and that's why she was there. And to have people say, she doesn't have training, you know what? You don't need training to be a reporter sometimes. She's not asking hard-hitting questions, right? I mean, what, Joe Rogan yeah. does UFC, right? Is he a hard-hitting journalist? No, he's a, he's a famous person that talks a lot. And, and, and that's okay. You don't need a great or brilliant person to, to be on this broadcast. And I think Ben, uh, ben Grico Luke, chimes in and says the way that she phrased it rather than the UFC bring her on, you know, kind of bothered some people. And I totally get that. But, but also, let's not act like they were looking for anything other than a famous person. They weren't looking for a journalist or a broadcaster. They were looking for someone that is famous and looks good on camera, whether it be 
visually pleasing are also, you know, able to talk without pooping themselves. And I'm sorry, as a fellow Joe Schmo in the broadcasting industry, who care? Like, they're not going to hire a Joe Schmo to do, the, to do this role especially. Like, they didn't say Addison Wright, go do play-by-play for this UFC fight. They didn't say Addison Wright, go do color commentary. No, they wanted her to run the red carpet event, which, by the way, she might actually know more about a red carpet event than any of us Joe Schmoes would know because, you know, she's in with the fashion crowd. She's in with, uh, you know, being able to, to relate and talk in a setting like that. And I'm not sure exactly the role they would have her in, but I'd assume it'd be, you know, interviewing guys as they come up or, you know, guys with their, their girlfriends and their wives or the, the female fighters as well. Like, this isn't some big broadcasting job. They didn't give her the, the reins to Monday Night Football. They were just having her do a red carpet event. And like you said, she's one of the most famous people in the United States right now. So to have her on that, on that broadcast would have been huge for them. And I get it, people being like, well, I don't, all I had to do was three months of broadcasting and look at the great job I got. But to me, it was just that. It wasn't, look at the great job I got. Look at all you losers that did all these internships and things like that and couldn't do it. Like, I didn't take it like that at all. And maybe I'm too easygoing, but to get on Twitter and complain about it and acting like people are going to really care about what your opinion is, like, we all know what the, the broadcasting industry is. To be honest, it's who you know and how you know popular you are with people. Like, if you don't know anyone, it's really hard to get an in. Like, Sometimes if you go to Syracuse, which I didn't, I'm wearing a shirt, it's stolen valor. But if you went to Syracuse and you know someone, you might get a job. You look at all the, you know, the Elbert family and the Eagle family. Like there's, they're great at their jobs, of course, but that definitely does give you an extra leg, leg up if you know people. So that's, that's any industry. It's, it's your connections. It's how popular are things like that. Obviously it sucks for people that maybe deserved it more, but at the end of the day to go on Twitter and complain about it just seems like a waste of time. And also look, if she, went on Twitter and said, hey, you losers that spent $60,000 to go to school for broadcasting. Exactly. You know, look at the job that I just got because I'm more famous than you. She deserves to say that. She has the right to say that because this was never a broadcasting job. It was a funny tweet that was supposed to be, oh, look, I'm doing this thing that's pretty cool. Like, my millions of followers should watch it, not, oh, you know, broadcasting Twitter, that's always been annoying. It's always been insufferable, and I'll be honest, I'm part of it at times, right? I'm annoying with some of this nonsense. Was like, you guys stink. And then she goes, never, she goes, the next day she says, never mind, y'all got me fired. Are you serious? Is yeah. it really this big a deal? And maybe she was kidding, you know, she never really said what job she had. She never really did anything. And, and I thought the thing that uh, Paige Spiranak, who I believe was a golfer, right, said, said it best or tweeted it best. She said, don't discredit all her hard work. UFC is smart to hire someone with millions of followers. And she's right because, look, she might have not gotten the training that you or I did, Luke. But what she, got, what she has is hustle and, and grind and, and grit. And, you know, no, you can be the prettiest girl or the prettiest guy on the planet. If you're not putting in some kind of effort, if you're not doing something that other people aren't doing, you're not gaining the amount of followers that Addison Wright has. I'm sorry. There was something that she did that other people don't do that helps accentuate whatever, you know, talent or abilities that she has. And I'm sorry, but you can either talk in front of a camera and have a personality or you can't. Like, you find that out pretty fast, in, in my opinion. Like, obviously, the, the full four years is nice because you want that experience. You want to get as many reps as possible. But in my, to me, like, not even in a mean way, but you can tell when someone's on camera if they have it or they don't pretty fast. Like, it's not, it doesn't take that long to find out. So, clearly, she had those skills available. Yes, she didn't go to school for that long. And maybe she shouldn't have worded it like that. But 
to have this kind of outrage is, is, is really ridiculous. Luke, sticking in uh, UFC, Dustin Poirier defeated Conor McGregor in the main event. I think it was in the first round even, Luke, when McGregor went to step back and ended up dislocating his tibia in one of the most gruesome ways possible. Uh, was sitting on the mat at, in, being interviewed by Joe Rogan with a, with a broken leg. He was carted off the, the, the mats and all this while in the hospital bed, Luke. He said, or I think he tweeted actually, Dustin, you can celebrate that illegitimate win all you want, but you've done no- you've done nothing in there. Yeah, I I like Conor McGregor to a point. Um, I I understand the theatrics that go on behind you know before a big fight, and that's what makes Conor McGregor so popular. That's what made John Bones Jones so popular. You know, it's not watching him for his talent at this point because, to be honest, he's not the same fighter he was a few years ago. And I'm not even a big UFC guy, but from reading about it, from watching it, he's clearly not the same guy that he was a few years ago. So I understand why the talk about, you know, your wife's in my DMs and blah, 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 and you're going to leave in a stretcher. I understand all that. But to to go back to that after the fight, I think was a little bit of a classless move. I mean, you saw Poirier be like, I hope he gets home safe to his beautiful family. You know, he took maybe too high of a road, but... For Connor to be laying there and still being like, you know, insulting his wife and saying all these things, like saying it was an illegitimate win, like I, I don't know, it kind of lost some points for me with that. I, I kind of liked it just because, again, you're bringing attention to the sport. Now it's certainly a legitimate win. Now, did Poirier do anything to win? No, but like, I also <laughs> don't know how you break your leg like that. Like the dude just stepped back to land and yeah. his entire leg shattered. He must have had it hurt. It must have been hurt before. That's all I could think of. I don't know. I, it looked – it almost looked like you almost, like, dropped glass and it just breaks so effortlessly. But this is, a, like, a bone we're talking about here. So so maybe you're right, Luke. Maybe his leg wasn't as strong as we expected. Um, I don't know. Ben, ben just commented, Luke, on the Twitch stream. It's like Kevin Ware all over. Uh, maybe not as bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I read it wrong. I thought he was saying that. Like it was as bad as, as Kevin Ware, but no, he said it was not as bad as Kevin Ware, which which makes a good point. But wasn't Kevin Ware the Louisville player at the time, like jumping or something when he when he broke it? Yeah, he landed. Yeah, he like jumped and landed. Which again, I guess also doesn't make much sense because he landed fairly cleanly, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. But moving on Luke, well, to to what we kind of talked about before, uh, USA basketball against Nigeria in an exhibition match. The U.S. lost ninety to eighty seven on Saturday, and and coming into it, Luke. Since exhibition games started in 1992, the U.S. was 54 and two in those games. Uh, Nigeria has just seven current NBA players. Uh, they won with great defense and three-point shooting, whereas the U.S. Luke started all five or started five All NBA players. Yeah, that was crazy, and kind of like what Greg Popovich was saying after the game. Maybe it's good for the U.S. to kind of get a little punch in the mouth to realize that maybe they're not invincible but i i just want to tip the cap to nigeria i mean they have obviously a few nba guys i know Stephen a smith kind of got in trouble again with talking about that and saying like i don't even know how to pronounce their names oh things like that but um they have seven current nba players i think they shot like 60 percent from three or something crazy like that or maybe it was 60 percent of their points were from three I, my bad i didn't get the get the number right but um it was a really impressive win for them and they beat argentina today as well who's the number four team in the in the world. But again, it's exhibition games. I'm scared for the Nigerian basketball Twitter account because they keep kind of talking big game and they're like, they will remember our name. And I could see that tweet of they will remember our name being like laughed about if they go 0-3 in group play. But good for them for now. And they do have a solid team, seven NBA players. 
is probably more than a lot of these teams have. And, and what's interesting, Luke, is I had read a, a tweet or something or a story maybe, and that team has been together for like almost a full month. The U.S. team had like two weeks, so the the team had four practices, I think, going into that game, which which kind of makes sense why they were going to lose. But like Popovich said, you got to learn from this. You got to move on for the Olympics. And and Luke, speaking of the Olympics, they're a Oof. sham. I'll say it. They're they're a sham, baby. You talk about the Olympics. You Make talk about the money mouth. that. Oh wow. Look, Pete Alonso, 35 home runs. Yeah, so that is off. a record. That is a first-round record. He's he's awesome, man. And I know there's been, yeah. like, you know, he's kind of a try-hard dude or, or whatever, but he's so fun to, to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, his rookie year was crazy. Last year kind of fell off a little bit. This year, once again, with the power. He's, he's a really good He's a really good guy, like, for the Mets to have. Like, he's, he's that, exciting, that exciting guy. The the guy that, that always has a shirt off and doesn't have the best body guy. Like, you always need a guy like that in the group. So, he's a great guy. I, to I respect around. it, Luke, and I, and I kind of wish I was that guy. I, I, I kind of yeah. do. I certainly have the, the not you so nice be the body, shirt off but it's, it's about getting to that point where I start taking my shirt off. Yeah, just always have the shirt Should off. Should I do that's, that on this show? Move. I think that would get us some, some views, some followers. I think so, but we might have to open a Patreon for that. You know? Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll pay that. for that content. That's right. Yeah, we can't, we can't, can't be giving out that content for That's free. a good point. That's a very good point, Luke. Uh, getting back to the Olympics, Tokyo entered a state of emer- emergency today, less than two weeks before the Olympic Games are set to begin. Uh, no spectators across the Olympics. And the Japan, the Japanese public, Luke, in you know polls and, and whatnot, over the last year, basically, have said, hey, we don't really want this happening. Like, we're kind of scared for this. You know, they showed public concern, according, was the... Uh, phrasing from from the Reuters article I read read Luke and and this is it's just not smart and it, it kind of is a reminder that hey COVID's still not over right we we look in the U.S. and things are reopening you know U.S. or New York has 70 plus percent vaccination rate which is great but you know some of these other countries even Japan which you don't really expect to be you know a developing country they just haven't gotten you know it's a developed country hasn't gotten the vaccine percentages and the vaccines that they wanted yeah, and I think also, I mean, one thing I haven't heard from, and I, I can kind of understand why, is I haven't heard a lot of athletes say, like, hey, like, maybe we shouldn't do this. And maybe I just haven't read them yet, but I haven't seen any prominent athletes say that. And maybe it's because, you know, they work so hard. But, I mean, is it worth it to go over all the way to Japan, not have any spectators there, be super cautious because they're obviously not in a good place right now with COVID? It seems like a really bad idea to, to send all these athletes over there to compete in the games. Like, it just doesn't seem smart. And I know, obviously, they can't move the location because it's such a huge event. It takes years of planning. But it just seems like a really bad idea. It is. And, look, I don't know if you saw the, the Olympic condom story for this year. Did you see that? It, it came out about what? a month ago. So, you know how condoms are – there's always, like, a trillion condoms uh, in the Olympic Village. Oh, oh. I did hear you correctly. Yeah. Yeah. The condoms. Um. So usually, I guess the Olympic Village is just a giant, um, you know, you know, very attractive people yeah. in shape. They yeah. like to enjoy their time. It's a party. It's it's basically summer camp. If you ever been to like a sleepaway camp, the the Olympics is basically that on steroids. Wow, these Jewish and, sleepaway camps are really going crazy on Long Island. I see. Well, the sleepaway camps aren't on Long Island. You, they just send the Long Island kids to these camps. Okay, but, anyway, well, uh, clearly they were the, a little the, more fun than my camps. Yeah, well, I never went to the sleepaway camps. I was at the day camp, so I had no clue, oh, okay. as you can so see. The sleepaway camps were it really got rowdy. Okay. Right. Even if I went to the sleepaway camps, I still wouldn't be having fun. But regardless, <laughs> uh, condoms will be distributed to the athletes 
but not until they're leaving the Tokyo Games, Luke. They what? can only consume alcohol if they're in their rooms alone. Wow. The and and what's really interesting, Luke, is that <laughs> condoms were, and distri- distributing them was actually it started in 1988 to raise awareness for HIV and AIDS. Okay, so that makes sense. There were as many as almost a quarter or almost half a million condoms at the 2016 Rio Games. Um, that's in, in the story. It says where Brazilian officials sought to curb the spread of the Zika virus. I did not know that was something that could be spread uh, sexually, but um, yeah. So in Tokyo, there'll be talking condoms on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> in Tokyo, there'll be 150,000 condoms only as a parting gift. <laughs> um, and there's way too many condoms here, Luke. There's 11,000 athletes expected, roughly. That, that's a lot. Let's just say it's 20,000, you know, let's say it's 10,000 athletes for, for sake of our, for argument's sake. What is that? Oh. I'll do quick math here. I think that's like over 100 condoms per person. Is that, yeah. is that right? <laughs> that's that's a lot of condoms. Me. It is wow. Um, One hundred fifty thousand yeah. divided by eleven thousand gives you. Oh, oh no. I I don't know. Give me, Luke. Start talking. I'll I'll get the you. Show's gone off the rails. I can't even I can't even focus right now. Uh, yeah, I guess they're just a little part. Parting gift. No, but oh, so it's like, only thirteen the whole condoms apparently. Too. Okay, which well, which go. isn't a lot. Yeah, <laughs> guess not. Guess not. Um, yeah, but for the for the alcohol portion, I mean, that seems kind of dangerous. Like, oh, you can only drink if you're alone in your hotel room. Like, that yeah. just seems like some, some degenerate behavior right there. Yeah, Luke, I was taught never to drink alone. Um, yeah, no, you're not supposed to. It's dangerous. But I, I guess when you're an Olympic athlete, you, you can. Uh, last story of the day, Luke. Odd, odd man. Oh, yeah. We'll make it a quick one. It was the, the was Futures say, game in baseball. Well, I was just going to say it. I was just gonna say, Odd Man got real odd today. Well, that's why it's called, you know, Odd Man. Because we're, we're talking yeah. condoms. Real rush too for those athletes. Yeah. Uh, the futures game, Luke, in baseball, the NL won it eight to three. Uh, Jason Dominguez of the Yankees, the the seven, what is he, eighteen years old now? Yeah. Called oh, what's just his legal. name? The Martian. The Martian, zero for two, uh, with a hundred and six mile per hour line out to third base, a strikeout. He did hit a, a home run during batting practice, which is pretty cool, I guess. And then uh, Francisco Alvarez of the Mets had a solo shot in the sixth with 104 miles per hour was the, was the uh, exit below on that. So pretty exciting for the Futures games, uh, game. That's a cool thing I hope they continue to do. I didn't get to watch it, Luke. Uh, I guess that was yesterday, so Sunday. But Jason Dominguez is a guy that many Yankees fans are excited about. I don't know why they do it on the same day as actual games. Like, I don't know why they just do it today. It'd be really cool. Um, I guess because like the draft was yesterday. Yeah, and the draft was also yesterday, which also seemed like poor planning that they put it up against the NBA Finals. I guess maybe they planned it before they knew when the NBA Finals were going to be. But you have Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. There's nothing going on. So baseball could have easily milked it, but I don't know. But, yeah, that's exciting to see Jason Dominguez. By the way, facing pitching, that's a lot better than what he's seen so far. He's just in low A. So uh, good for him to get at least get a hold of one. Yeah, and for – for that, I don't know. For for the draft, does anyone really watch the MLB draft? Because you're not seeing these guys for like 15 years anyway. No, only hardcore. I don't even. I don't even watch the draft. I just pay attention to the yeah. to the key points. Although I saw that um the the Mets guy Rocker, who we'll get to in a minute, and then even um the number the second pick uh in the draft, who was also a pitcher, 
uh, Al Leiter. Like, you could see those guys, like, real quick within, like, a year or two. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Jack Leiter, the son of Al. But, um, yeah. That's what well, I meant. Al we can transition. Jack Leiter. We'll transition out of – yeah, we'll transition out of Odd Man now. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that briefly. Kumar Rocker goes to the Mets' 10th overall, right-hander out of Vanderbilt. Uh, a lot of people thought he would go, you know, number two or at least, you know, three. Thought for sure he'd be gone by four, but no one took him. He drops all the way to 10. Uh, college arms are always a little dicey just because they have miles on them, but they do come with that experience, you know, facing better hitters. Yeah, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter both expected to be up within the next couple of years. They're not going to be in the minors for very long. Um, I actually, someone on someone on ESPN was saying that you could see Rocker by September, which is, there's no way the Mets would ever do that. Um, but he's pitching some big games in college, 2019, uh, most outstanding player in the College World Series. He's pitched some of the best games in college history. So the Mets got a great one in Kumar Rocker. And really cool to see guys from the Mets org, past and present, kind of reach out to him. Yeah, I'm super excited for him. I know uh, he was like the first unanimous All-American from Vanderbilt or something like that. I, I don't remember the exact number or the exact stat for it. But the the Mets and their their draft team even said, hey, look, he was more of a dream than anything else. Like this guy is scary good and you know it'd be cool and it's an interesting guy to take in and you see him drop it's it's almost regardless of need because this Mets team is, is relatively deep in the pitching department when you can get a guy like that that's a top five prospect at 10 you're taking him regardless of what position it is yeah also the MLB draft usually is a don't draft by need just draft by best available because you have so many picks it's such a crapshoot when it comes to baseball I mean there's so many number one overall busts like you barely even hear about number one. Like, the Yankees got judged late. Like, you get all these guys so late. So, yeah, you can definitely find steals anywhere. Um, we got about 10 minutes to go. Let's talk some soccer. We promise wow, no Mets. soccer. Uh, wow. Do you, want to, do you want to do Mets? I feel like we could do Mets a little bit on Wednesday. Yeah, because yeah, you're it's right. kind of evergreen. You're right. Let's go to the uh, All-Star break stuff. Yeah, we'll talk Euros. I really this don't want This is an international show. You don't want to talk Euros? I really yeah, I get don't. Soggy Sorrow's here for should I just start pouring uh, water as, over his, Yeah, as it is not coming home, as England falls to Italy one to oh, it's one to one, but Italy takes PKs three to two. Matt says it's a fake loss. England scored two minutes into the game, which is I think was the fastest ever in the final. Um, from Luke Shaw, Italy strikes back, sixty seventh minute. Leonardo Leonardo Bonucci ties the game up at one, uh, and then goes to the PKs. Italy gets the win. Matt, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm very happy that England lost because I, I'm very anti-England, as everyone knows. So I really at least I don't they know didn't why Italy. Sopranos defeat the Peaky Blinders uh, because you know 1776. You got to be anti-England. It's just a rule. There's no rivalry. We're, we're we're allies. We're buddies now. We've been through world wars. I know. I missed the rivalry. Did did Italy support true, the U.S. Yeah. in World War II? No, they didn't. England. No, did. in fact, they opposed them. Exactly. Yeah, England's right there true. in the trenches with you, and now you're turning around and, but this isn't and spitting a pro, our face. It's not pro-Italy. It's more anti-England. I saw it's hilarious. It's hilarious to see all the, the English fans be all sad. It's kind of funny. I'm sorry for George Wilding, though. I'll say that. Was he heartbroken? Oh, I haven't spoken to him about it, so I don't know. Wow. See, it's that bad. I, I just I haven't heard him about him it all day. So maybe he maybe he's drowning his, his, uh, his sorrows in... Uh, Mini Cooper, I don't know, drinking gallons of tea and, you know, nice stout, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. The, it, it's a shame that you lose a game like this in penalty kicks, and I'd say it regardless. Uh, 
but also you're playing two hours and you can't find a winner. It's like, you got to do something else, right? you got to find a way to find a winner. And when you can't find it in two hours of gameplay, you kind of have to come down to this. Uh, something that was really interesting, Luke, was in the last minute of the added time period, Gareth Southgate had actually brought in uh, Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho to take the penalty kicks. They were like touted as great penalty kick takers, yada, yada. They both missed theirs after being brought in specifically for that reason. Um, as was uh, Bukayo Saka, who is I think 19 years old. He might be one of the youngest players in the Euro tournament. And all these guys, you know, not being white Englishmen, were targets of racial attacks from the English fans themselves. And, and this happens way too much in soccer, Luke. It happens across almost every single country. We saw uh, Mexico, uh, the, the CONCAF Mexico versus U.S. They had to pause the game because fans were throwing stuff at players. You know, they had to kick fans out. You know, there was no fans at some of these games because of it. And, and all this racist nonsense is, is disgusting, for lack of a better term. You know, you, you think of soccer as the world's sport, and you, you just expect so much better from the, the fans. And it's disappointing. It's not just English soccer fans that do it. But this was another case where, you know, you had people on Twitter, in, you know, bracing for it. And it's, it's a shame. It really is. It's, it's unfortunate. I don't know how you resolve this, but it's disgusting, man. It is disgusting. Yeah, it almost was like everyone knew it was coming. Like, right after the game, everyone's like, oh, like, here we go. And listen to uh, – I was listening to Troops. He works for Barstool. Uh, he's he's from England. He's black. And he was saying, like, it, it's got to stop. Like, it's, it's, it's 2021. And it's not just England. Obviously, England right now is under the microscope because they were the team that lost. But it does feel like soccer should be a sport where this doesn't happen as much. It's so international. It's such a, a diverse group, but I guess maybe it's not so diverse because of that. You know, it's one country where all the players are coming from, but there are countries obviously where there are, you know, a team that has black players, white players, Spanish players, Asian players. So it, it really is sad that it, it comes to this. And like you said, it felt like everyone was kind of bracing for what was to come after. And, and you know, you had Gas Southgate, the, the manager, condemn the abuse saying, it's not what we stand for. Uh, Prince William who's the, the grandson of Queen Elizabeth. I think he's a prince. I didn't Google it, but, you know, if my dad's watching, please don't get mad at me uh, for not you're knowing. You're supposed to know. Look, I, I, I was, know I was rushing. I was a little busy today, Luke, but uh, Prince William says, I'm sickened by the racist abuse aimed at England players after last night's match. Uh, oh, it's not Prince William. He's the president of the English Football Association. Oh, there you go. But there's, there's, no, there's, a, prince, there's a Prince William, right? I'm not losing my mind. There is a Prince William. Isn't William the one that's in America? Or is that a different one? The Meg, the Meg Markle vehicle? Oh, this is that Prince William. Oh, he's also the president of soccer? I guess. It's the Duke of Cambridge. Oh, there you go. Let me, let me make sure. Yeah, it's that. You you literally wrote Queen Elizabeth's grandson, who is president of the English Well, I added in the Prince part. Yeah, this was him. Okay. Wow, look at that. Well, if he's a right. grandson, then he's a prince. Well, I didn't realize yeah, he was it's both. It's not that hard to figure out. You know, the the English country should be flat out embarrassed. They should for, be. for your lack of knowledge there. They should be embarrassed. They they really should. Um, but did you see? Did you see uh, Shohei Otani has his translator catching for him? Catching or throwing? Catching. He said he wanted someone more nervous than him to be behind him. So yeah, that's that's, that's why he has his translator. And it, it's starting him. out. I don't know if, he's, if he. Yeah, Juan Soto with 22 home runs. Otani, the show begins. I really hope he wins, but this was a tough draw for him in the first round because Juan Soto, obviously one of the best 
power hitters in the game, but he was injured, so he didn't hit a lot of home runs. So Otani's obviously hit the most, Soto's hit the least, and that's how they do the bracket. So that's how it turns out. So we'll see if Otani can get it done. Uh, we got about four minutes here. Let's go NBA Finals quick. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks win 120 to 100 over the Suns, cut that lead to two to one. Giannis, incredible once again, 41 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, back-to-back 40-point games. They also got some help. Drew Holiday with 21, Chris Middleton with 18. But the Bucks win a game. I'm happy, Matt. I didn't want this game to be a or the series to be a sweet sweep. I want it to be exciting. I think the Bucks get in Game Four at home as well. I, I'm hoping this game, this series, is even going back to Phoenix because why not? Why not get some more good basketball? Yeah, it'll be. I, I'm all for it, Luke. I I think the Bucks win Game Four as well. Like I don't see this being a short series. I I don't understand why all of a sudden the Suns are this this godly team. You know, they beat a team in the Clippers that had. That we're missing Kawhi Leonard, right? You're missing your best player on the team. And I think the Bucs are a good team, right? Giannis is coming back. He's seemingly getting healthier, right? He had that, that knee injury, but it's coming back. And the series doesn't start until you're on the road, until the, the road team wins the game, right? That's what they always say, Luke. And right now it's, it's going up to chalk. So I don't see a guy in Devin Booker shooting three of 14 like he did last game or one of seven from three. But in the same vein, you know, they won by 20 and they didn't necessarily have the best game. Giannis was 14 to 23, which is good. Right. But you also expect him to, to be at a higher clip just because he typically shoots inside the paint. So an amazing performance from Giannis, no doubt. You can kind of expect to see that more just because he keeps concentrating his shots in the paint and letting his teammates shoot those threes. This is a pretty brutal start for Shohei Otani. Just, Two home runs almost halfway through the round, Matt. So uh, this is kind of sad. It's kind of making me a little sad here. Hopefully he picks it up a little bit uh, here as, as the round goes on. Um, but, yeah, it's a big one for the Bucks. I don't know how much more you want from Giannis, Matt. You're feeding right into what maybe, I want Maybe I'm not saying, is, I, you know, I expect more from Giannis, but I, I expect him to put up another 40 points. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like. If this was, you know, one like that, but this is what you get all the, the respect. No, but like if you this put is what, 40, what you expect. But forty-one in a finals game after hyper extending his knee in the last round, like I feel like a lot of people don't give Giannis the love he deserves, and a lot of the conversation around Giannis is like, oh, he can't win, he can't do this, he can't do that. Well, he's in the NBA Finals, like he won the Eastern Conference, and a lot of people make it seem like what he's doing is not that great. But he's so young, he's so talented, and I understand the the whole narrative is just like oh he can't shoot but he does all this everyone knows he can't shoot and he still drops 41 points because no one can guard him I just feel like the narrative around him has become somewhat lesser than a two-time uh, MVP superstar in this league but also like, let's not act like LeBron was shooting well for the first you know however many uh seasons he was never a great shooter right he was never that good right and 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 you know now he's learning to find his shot and you just have to hope that a guy like Giannis can find his shot because you want to see him become the best he can be and continue and improve. And, and I, I kind of get it because he doesn't play the, the modern NBA style, Luke, which is predicated on shooting threes. But does that matter all the time? Because he's not a point guard. He's not a guy that's going to shoot threes a whole lot. I wonder, do you even need to shoot threes if you can shoot 14 to 23, be very efficient and still score 40 points? Yeah, I mean, if this isn't his best, then I guess it's, it's going to be pretty scary because we could be talking about him being an NBA champion, you know, two weeks from now. So we'll see. Uh, that'll wrap up all the time we have here on the Wilding and Owen Show. 
Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back on Wednesday, same time, 8.30 p.m. right here on Twitch. Give us a follow. Give us a follow on Twitter. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you on Wednesday night.